Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. It's Heart to Heart Friday, where Craig and I share some of the stories making headlines this week, and then we'll offer our insight and analysis. If you'd like to join in the conversation on what we're talking about, please call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Now let's take a quick look back at some of the other topics we discussed this week. The biblical definition of justice as simply the fair treatment of all people in certain and similar circumstances where a a just and fair outcome is there and where we right the wrongs that have been meted upon people uh, in and of themselves for the sake of loving people and loving God. That's why it's so important to have a transcendent source of this because it becomes a goal to be achieved when it remains transcendent and it goes beyond human opinion as a moral category. But when it comes a tool, it becomes the kind of thing that people throw about and weaponize. And, yes. it, and, you, and you lose all sense of what it means to love people and walk humbly. Attachment research or relationship science research is really the scientific study of love. Mm. And so, um, you know, we, we know that you know, faith, hope, and love are such important virtues to seek to understand and apply in and through our own lives. And um, if understanding our attachment style and relationship style can help us to uh, love our neighbors as we love ourselves and, and really uh, be able to understand ourselves, communicate our needs, and be able to understand and uh, give them tools to communicate their needs better, then I think that, uh, you know, these tools that can help us love better, can help us fulfill uh, what God has called us to do. 
There was also one about displays of unapproved flags. That would be the LGBT type flags and BLM or, you know, some of these flags. Um, that one uh, was removed. What they should have done, um, I think it says that they, it has to be approved at the discretion of the military chain of command, but they need to take that a step further and say that, uh, you know, these LGBT pride celebrations have gotten out of hand. Uh, you remember what happened on the, on the lawn of the White House last year with the transgender, um, I don't know what they were, exhibitionists. Started to, you know, I just started to work it out and eventually the hook came and that was that all of these 66 passages that I've chosen to illuminate and chose to paint, they all lead us to the cross. And so I wanted to make each one of these paintings while remaining an individual painting that you could look at and admire, they would all combine together and form in the art world what we call a polyptych image, a, a giant image made out of many smaller images. And in this case, the 66 paintings combine together and they form a 12-foot cross mm. revealing a hidden portrait of the crucified Christ. He will reach out to those whom he's calling. There will be those who they'll turn away. They'll walk away from the... That's not for us to determine. We are to be faithful to preach it and get back to the basics of what made this nation great. What made the church great was the pure, unadulterated doctrines of God and preaching them in the way under the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll make them relevant. The Holy Spirit's not trying to be relevant today. He's always relevant, and he goes to work. And so... Uh, I, my prayer is that me, myself, the pulpits of America would catch fire with his Amen. glory. Yes. And we, we would see a revival in this nation. And then maybe, maybe the culture would change. It's Heart to Heart Friday. Here are some of the other stories making headlines this week. There was no surprise on Thursday from the European Central Bank as interest rates stayed unchanged at a record 4%. French farmers dumped soil and rubbish in front of a local government building in Brittany. Elon Musk says Chinese car makers are on course to demolish Western rivals. At least 30 people have been killed and several others injured in a series of attacks around Mongu Town in Nigeria's Central Plateau State. It's Heart to Heart Friday on In the Market with Janet Parshall. Craig and I have lots to share, and we'll put the first story on the table when we return. To join the conversation on the topics we're discussing, call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Who is God? Why am I here? How should I live? Could you find the answer to those crucial questions from God's Word? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Learn the essentials of our faith in a clear and succinct way. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Happy Friday to you, friends. Mr. Partial is here. He gave me that last name decades ago, and it has stuck and I am the better for it. He knows the Word of God. He plums its depths on a regular basis. He knows how to apply it to the whole world around us. And then along the way, he picked up a law degree, and he's been writing briefs that are going to be filed before the U.S. Supreme Court for weeks, and he's got steam coming out of his ears. So for him to take time out 
to come and join me today. I am most appreciative. And boy, we have a lot of stories to talk about. If this is your first time for joining us on Friday, here's what Craig and I do. We go round robin. We take a look at some topics that are important out there, but we don't look at them like the alphabet soup networks. We look at them through the lens of scripture. Uh, Why? Well, because we're traveling through. This is not our final place of uh, citizenship, by the way, for those of us who have accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We have dual citizenship. The United States of America, for most of you listening, although we know there are other people who listen to the South and to the North and in all places around the globe because of the advent of the Internet. But temporally, we are citizens here on planet Earth eternally. If we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, then our real home is heaven and we're walking through. So because of that, we've had, well, we've had some vision repair and we look at the world in a markedly different way. So let me get started. And this is how it goes. So we're going to start with a story that just broke in the Washington Times yesterday. And it's very disconcerting. You remember how many people jumped up and down about something called the Patriot Act? And they were worried, excuse me, in a post 9-11 world that the government was going to be spying on you on a regular basis. And it really didn't make any difference what political stripe you were. Most people thought, keep the government out of my business. Okay, you just back away. Thank you very much. You serve me. I don't serve you. And you certainly have no right to reach out with your tendril outreaches and try to find out what I buy, what I'm looking up on the Internet, and track me where I go, my digital footprint. The line goes on and on and on and on. And you're starting to see more and more Americans that are saying to government, no, absolutely not. We're going to push back. By the way, are you watching what they're doing in Europe? Because of climate change, they're talking about exorbitant taxes, and it's really going to impact the farming industry. So I don't know about you, but it makes me smile ear to ear when row upon row upon row of tractor lines the streets of Paris because they're not going to pay this. And so we've got all kinds of protests on the European continent right now that are not being covered, by the way, by most of the alphabet soup media. I wonder why that is. But the point is, God has placed eternity in our heart. We have a sense of liberty where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. And so we don't like it when we feel the walls of government starting to close in on us. And it's the hallmark, by the way, of a democracy. So here's the story. The National Security Agency has secretly been buying American Internet records. Bet you didn't know that. And they've been using them for spying purposes. But guess what? They haven't been getting warrants to do that. In other words, there's no checks and balance, no legal accountability. We're just going to spy on you, says the National Security Agency. So believe it or not, Ron Wyden, Ohio, excuse me, Oregon Democrat, said that the practice has been a, quote, legal gray area. Those are his words with data brokers quietly getting and reselling the internet metadata, we've talked about that term a lot here, without your or my consent. And he said the NSA has been trying to keep the whole thing under wraps. Now, why would that be, right? This is a government that operates in the sunshine, theoretically. So a letter was sent to the Director of National Intelligence, and in that letter, the senator said that the government needs a wake-up call. I agree with him. And he called for new rules limiting purchases only to data that Americans have consented to be sold. Some people don't care. You can track me, my car, my friends, my photos, whatever I'm doing. I don't care what pages I'm researching. Others say no. We should be able to have that liberty, and the government should have to ask for permission. So the senator also asked this director of national intelligence to take an inventory of what the government already has and toss out any information that doesn't meet the standard of consent, which I would guess would be a whole lot of it. And so in the letter, the senator said the U.S. government should not be funding and legitimizing a shady industry where flagrant violations of Americans' privacies are not just unethical, but illegal. 
So he released a letter from the Army General, who happens to be the director of the National Security Agency, detailing and justifying the agency's actions. And the general said that it acquired, this is their defense now, said it acquired what it calls, quote, commercially available information. In other words, it was out there. We weren't prying. It was all out there. We didn't have to look very hard. But the acquisitions are limited. They don't include location data from phones, quote, known to be used in the U.S., and they don't buy or use location data from automobiles in the U.S. This is their defense, by the way. Uh, And again, the general said they do not buy non-content data where one side of the communication is a U.S. Internet protocol address and the other is located abroad. And the general said the information was critical for the U.S. defense industrial base. Yeah, no. Checks and balances. You can use anything you want, which is safety. It's safety. So we're going to take away your liberties. I think communist China tried that approach and so did Hitler, by the way. So our government doesn't have the right to be able to do that. Though the janitor, the general wrote, the NSA understands and greatly values the congressional and public trust it has been granted to carry out its critical foreign intelligence and cybersecurity missions on behalf of the American people. Mm, No, I don't think so. You're presuming you've gotten that trust. It has to be earned, General. So in a separate letter, uh, the Undersecretary of Defense also defended the legality. That's because it's outside in the sun now. And so all of a sudden now you've got these people in the NSA running around trying to justify what they're doing. And so they this this undersecretary offered his defense as well. Well, Senator Wyden says the legal landscape may have just changed. And then he points to the FTC, the Federal Trades Commission action earlier this month against a data broker. And we're going to talk about this one later. In that case, the FTC said the sale of location data is an intrusion into consumers' lives. So we've got a little precedent here. The FTC says for data to be collected for resale to government national security agencies, consumers have to be told explicitly. So there you got the NSA fighting with the FTC. I don't know. It looks like an arm arm wrestle to me, Craig. But all I know is, ooh, ick. So you do this under defense. It's the same excuse that they've always used before. But when you've got people tracking what your purchases are at stores, and we're going to talk about that later, when we're talking about tracking your carbon footprint, when we're talking about tracking the use of your car, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think most people listening to the sound of our voice right now are interested in the government tracking anything without our permission. Your thoughts, Counselor? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I guess the question is, and I'm a lawyer, so I first thought that comes to mind is, is there a law that was broken? And right now there's a whole lot of confusion Rod, uh, Ron uh, Wyden, who is the uh, the senator uh, who was quoted in this article and is obviously concerned, and I, I think it's right to be concerned. Interesting factoid, however, Ron Wyden was one of the architects of Section 230. Mm-hmm. See, Congress is great in responding to a crisis after the fact. They're not so good in predicting future problems with what they do on the Hill. So when Section 230 was created... Uh, these digital platforms can basically do whatever they want to do and not basically get sued for almost anything. Uh, That was one short sightedness that happened. And then security breaches and personal data is another one. Now I have to tell you, Janet, that recently over the last, Oh, I'd say five, six, seven years, Capitol Hill has been abuzz with this idea of personal privacy and use of data, but nothing much substantial has been done about it. 
So as a result, NSA says, look, we have done nothing illegal in terms of purchasing. And by the way, they say, all we're doing is buying not, let's say, your Social Security number and your address and pictures of you shopping, but rather uh, NetFlow metadata. In other words, we just kind of see um, the number of dots in people that go from one point to another in terms of buying habits or maybe uh, connections uh, email with somebody across the the, the seas. Uh-huh. And, and to what I, purpose well, and what end? Before we get to what end, and that's the big question, I have a smaller question. Please get a little bit more specific about that data, would you please? Don't just use a term like Met, uh, NetFlow or metadata. I know what metadata is, but... I want you to be very particular, and they won't be, and they haven't been. So the senator also said that the Defense Intelligence Agency, now you've heard me uh, talk about different agencies, this is yet another one. So this agency, according to the senator, was buying commercially available location data that included Americans. Now, there's another part of this conversation, and I think this is a hugely important discussion. And as we move forward in the latter days in which we find ourselves, this uh, grab of power by the federal government is something that should concern every single one of us. So there's a seller here. There isn't just a buyer. There's a seller. And so, Craig, when we know, because there was a major document dump, the email files that made their way to Capitol Hill that have been culled by staffers on Capitol Hill, where we know definitively that the government had an illicit relationship with these social platforms For information, hold back this, don't allow that voice, silence that voice, censor that voice. And it's it's not paranoia. It's now information and emails that have been obtained and they've been scrutinized on Capitol Hill. So I'm sorry, but I'm not looking at the people who have the metadata as being innocent in this party as well. So we got a lot more to plumb. Craig Parshall is with me. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. We start with this very disconcerting story that apparent the National Security Agency has been secretly buying Americans' Internet records. Bet you didn't know. Now you do. Back after this. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. It's Friday. Mr. Parshall joins me on Friday. We take a look at some stories out there that are making headlines. And this is a story that just broke yesterday in the Washington Times. And it's disconcerting when you think that the government serves the people, not that the government spies on the people on a regular basis. And we often talk about tech here. So this is this nefarious intersection now between this current government and the social platforms out there, which already have a palpable bias. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. How much uh, audio have we played here on this broadcast every time Google or uh, Apple or uh, Facebook shows up on the Hill and it's always I'll get back to you and no senator and I'll have to look that up and it's weave and dodge and bob like you're playing for the NFL. So now this news story is the National Security Agency apparently has been secretly, important word, buying American Internet records and using them for spying purposes without getting a warrant. And this was brought up on Capitol Hill. And so the NSA is trying to uh, defend this, saying, we love the trust the American people have put in us. Uh, That horse has already left the barn, Okay, You earn the trust and you have to ask from people if you can take their materials. And Craig, you had the small question. And then I want to go to the big question, mm-hmm. which is to what end? Because this approach, if you're going to buy pell-mell data from Americans, then you have the upside down world standard of everybody is guilty until proven innocent. 
rather than the onus on the government where they have to get a warrant because there's enough of a suspicion here to have to dig deeper into someone's data, metadata information. But continue with the smaller question, then go to the bigger one. Yeah, look, currently you need a warrant if you want to uh, get data about what my location was uh, last uh, Monday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? Our phones can be a tracking device and are, as a matter of fact, our cell phones. Uh, but to be able to ping a tower to locate where I was, well, that requires a warrant. However, to see your purchasing behavior <laughs> probably is not, uh, or at least it isn't specifically. And here's, this. my small question was, let's talk about how much information you, you NSA, can glean. Now, I want in the, the NSA... And we have a, a number of counterintelligence agencies. Many of them we know. There are some we don't know. Uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency is kind of the CIA version uh, within the military, within the Pentagon, uh, is lesser known. We, we got a bunch of them with letters that um, most people have never even heard of. But on the other hand, the, the defense of our nation, our founders felt was so important that they embedded it in the preamble to the Constitution. So I believe in national defense. The problem is I don't want domestic surveillance. And there's a difference between domestic surveillance and national defense from foreign invasion. So uh, I'd really like to ask him if he crossed for me in a deposition. And I was saying, look, um, Tell me everything you can find out about me through that NetFlow data without limitation. Tell me every bit of my personal life, purchasing, location, people I, I email, uh, uh, sites I go to on the Internet. How much of that or more can you learn from this data you've been buying? Mm. That's my first question in the weeds. But then the big question, which is the one that you talked about, is equally important, and that is, What's the goal here? Well, I think the goal, the goal that they will say is, and it's appropriate, uh, we want to make sure that uh, we are effective in counterterrorism. That is to say, there's terrorists out there in foreign countries, nation states that want to take over the United States, hostile enemies, uh, terrorist groups. And so we need to track them, see what they're doing, and make sure they don't come into our country, or at least anticipate their plans based on what we can glean from the Internet. Um, during the Bush administration, there were a number of lawsuits about some of the military and intelligence programs we had at that time uh, that sort of scanned the Internet generally. Now, you got to realize how much has changed, Janet, since the Bush administration to the Obama administration um, to, um, uh, you know, the present in terms of the evolution of how data is distributed, used, and benefited, and bought uh, and sold on the Internet now. So I, I, both the top question of to what end, and I know they'll say national defense, uh, hunting down terrorists. Yeah, but you could put sure, that, you could use that as an excuse absolutely. to violate everybody's That's privacy. That's why somewhere between that big answer and the, small in the weeds question I was raising, they have to be more specific. That's why a warrant 
has to be specific. In fact, if you get a warrant, if you go in, if you're a police officer, and you talk, call up the district attorney and say, hey, we, we got a crime unfolding here, and the district attorney says, okay, I'm going to write up the application for a search warrant. I'm going to give it to you, detective. You walk in to the judge, and you get that warrant signed. That affidavit supporting the request has to be specific and particular address, name, and reason why you believe there is criminal activity and the evidence you have to support it. All has to be in that document before that judge can go, yep, I'll give you a warrant. You can invade that person's personal space, their house, their car, etc. The problem is the internet doesn't have the same kind of recognition in terms of privacy. The, The basic law of privacy, the most basic and fundamental right is in the Fourth Amendment, the right from unlawful, unreasonable searches and seizures, and to be secure in our papers, our person, and our homes. Now our homes can also be a car. It can also be what you do in your home in terms of the internet, which goes globally, as you know. So it's complicated, but not that complicated that we can't remedy this with some information. Well, and thank goodness for sunshine. So I'm glad this has been brought out in the open. So a couple of questions. Number one, I want to talk about what role the people who have the metadata play in this transaction. And then I want to talk about what broke last week about now we've got banks tracking you for certain terms and purchases. Back after this. the goal of In the Market? I'll tell you. In the Market equips men and women to think critically and act biblically. Why do we do this? So that we can be confident when speaking the truth in a confused culture. Are you willing to stand with me? Become a partial partner today and enjoy exclusive benefits only my partners receive while making an impact for the kingdom. Call 877-JANET58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. So Peg and I are talking about this story that broke in the Washington Times that basically said the National Security Agency has secretly been buying Americans' Internet records and using them for spying purposes without getting a warrant. And uh, this has been brought to light yesterday by Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat from Oregon, and the NSA is trying to give a defense. And you could basically defend anything you do if you're at the NSA under the guise of trying to obtain national security. But it doesn't mean, and I give you COVID, that somehow you suspend or eradicate the rights that are already enumerated and concretized in the United States Constitution. You can't tread on me if I can take a note from a flag that's out there that apparently is now controversial. Of course, it wasn't controversial for John Adams, but I digress. So, Craig, in this metadata purchases, there's got to be a buyer. That's the federal government. There's got to be a seller. Who's selling this stuff? Um, just to let you know that this is not an, this, this story just broke. Um, and uh, kudos to you in this in a market with Janet Parshall, this platform on the radio to be able to break these kind of stories. But it's been around for a while, so long that I came up with a 2019 article from the <laughs> Wharton School of Business complaining about this practice. 2000, Wharton School of Business, not, not a political organization. Not, 2019. Okay. And in the article, here's what the Wharton School of Business author says. While many don't sell their data, that is to say uh, social media platforms and websites, while many don't sell their data, they often do share access to it. Get that? They don't sell their data. They share access to it. In other words, 
I'm not going to let you buy the stuff on my shelf in my little uh, cafe here or my shop or my business, but I'm going to give you the right to come in and inspect it and just see what you see. So the article goes on to say, for uh, for example, PayPal disclosed that it shares consumer data. This was 2019, such as name, address, phone number, date of birth, IP address, that's for your email, bank account information, recent purchases with hundreds of entities around the world. That's just one example. Another example, remember the Cambridge Analytica uh, Fuhrer that really broke this whole issue of internet security and privacy into the spotlight and got Congress bringing these big tech companies like Facebook and Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and Twitter, uh, YouTube to come to Capitol Hill and start testifying. It wasn't about uh, viewpoint discrimination or censorship. It was about privacy. Now that was a number of years ago. We still haven't cracked the nut. We still haven't stopped the problem. But in the Cambridge Analytica issue that broke this issue on Capitol Hill, they found out that Facebook apparently was selling or transferring data about voting uh, habits of people based on their online uh, activity to a political uh, operation company that then would be a confidant to a political campaign and then sell that data or use the data to give advice to a political party about the voting habits in a certain district or even a block or a street uh, where uh, they can track the voting behavior of people who live there. So those are two examples, Facebook and uh, uh, and uh, PayPal. But I think everybody, every one of these big, medium-sized and small companies were engaged at one point or another, in either buying or selling that kind of data. Wow. So now this has been brought to life. One can just hope that, and again, it's a bipartisan issue uh, because you've got a Democrat who said this is not right and we need to be looking into this and there needs to be some clarification in the law. So um, what do you do in the meantime? I guess, and by the way, we should probably talk about the fact that these agencies fall under the executive branch of government. So um, people are policy. And I think that's the best way we can say it. And by the way, that's not a political statement. We're just calling it like this was the Chicago Bears right, playing the Green right. Bay Packers. This isn't about what side we come down on. That's utterly immaterial. But when you stick, this is the wonderful thing about the great leveler of the law. You go to the United States Supreme Court where Craig has been and it says carved in stone, equal justice under law. So it's not a partisan issue. It's a principled issue. The government should not be spying on any of its people. And that's extremely problematic. So now let me segue to a story that broke last week because this is really kind of chilling. We've got the information on Capitol Hill with the emails where we know definitively that the federal government was working with some of these social platforms and was directing what they should and should not post. In fact, in some cases, money even exchanged hands. And that is a monstrously huge story. And currently before the United States Supreme Court, they'll be deciding it in this term, that case. So therefore, it's not a political issue. It is a legal issue. It's a constitutional issue. So that's why we're underscoring that. So here's another issue. So apparently the federal government uh, has now started looking into people's bank purchases. Okay. And so they've looked at people who shopped at sporting goods stores and bought religious books, quote, their language like a Bible. And they have been flagged through their banks as potential domestic terrorists. Now, again, 
you know, what's the best predictor for future behavior, past behavior, right? So if you've got the federal government now putting spies, as it were, into traditional Catholic churches where only the mass is said in Latin because somehow you think this is a fertile field for domestic terrorists, then it follows suit that you would dig mm-hmm. into people's bank records. If you think a mom and a dad who show up and don't want pornography shown to their first grader, uh, you can categorize them as a domestic terrorist and hope to scare the living daylights out of them and they keep their mouth closed and they don't show up at a school board meeting again. So what this is is argument ad hominem. We're going to scare you to death by calling you a domestic terrorist. Right now, it's in the world of language. If it moves to the area of action, you either have fascism or Marxism, and there are cat's whiskers width of difference between the two. So this federal government apparently also plagued as potential criminals any transactions that involve the term. And I'm not being political. I'm just telling you what the government is doing. If the word MAGA was there, if the word was Trump was there, these Americans were tagged as possible, quote, violent extremists and zero due process, even notification of this violation of the constitutional rights. None of this was done whatsoever. And this, by the way, is why uh, Jim Jordan, who chairs an important committee on Capitol Hill, uh, dealing with the weaponization of the federal government. And all these stories I've been telling is just that the government has never done this kind of stuff before. This should bother every American, again, regardless of what political stripe they might be. But to have the federal government ask U.S. banks to scour customers' transactions, uh, and if you see certain words that pop up, you therefore are red flagged as a potential violent extremist, is unconscionable. And by the way, Dick's Sporting Good, Cabela's was there, uh, gun retailers, all of those things. So in other words, if you shopped at Dick's, somebody was tracking you, possibly. If you went to Cabela's and you decided to buy a pair of ski pants, good luck. You probably got tracked. This is this is ridiculous. Well, let's work this back to where did this start and who was responsible for instigating this? This investigation that you just mentioned is an extension of the Department of Treasury, which is a federal agency under the executive branch, under the Oval Office. In fact, all of these, the NSA, the FBI, Department of Justice, uh, agencies a lot of people have never even heard of, but including uh, the Department of Treasury, and it has investigative powers. So this is under another executive uh, executive branch agency, or in this case, the department. That's that's the overarching uh, entity under the under the president is a department um, of the Treasury, and you have a Secretary of Treasury. Um, so you, these investigations look. Uh, you, you, everyone has heard the phrase, the buck stops here. Well, when it comes to the executive branch agencies doing this kind of thing, if it's illegal, the buck stops not at the lowest part of the, of this triangle of power. It, the buck stops at the, the Oval Office, at the desk of whoever happens to be president, whether it's President Nixon during Watergate or the current uh, president or any future president, that's the the system of governance we have. The buck stops at that Oval Office desk for these agencies. Um, And now that it's known that they're doing this, something needs to be done about it. And I don't care who the president is, the president ought to say to the Secretary of Treasury, get your investigative people in a room, and I'm going to come talk to them, Mm -hmm. along with the Attorney General, and we're going to tell you, you do it again, you're going to be fired and possibly well, sent to jail. So let's let's just hit the pause but, button. And, and by the way, 
there's there's no excuse. There's no excuse for investigating people domestically for who they align with politically for president, whether it's a Democrat, independent, a Republican. That's a democracy. That Well, it ought to be as long as we can keep, keep it. it. A constitutional yes. republic as long as we, not they, but we, the people, keep it. Well, that's the pause button that I wanted to hit, which is why this is an extremely important point, because we do have a system of checks and balances. And let the record reflect that that system was predicated on the understanding, rightfully, that our founders had that man as a basic sinful disposition. And as a result of that, you they had a monarchy. They saw what unfettered power centralized in one person did, and they said, nope. In fact, it led to a whole lot of tea in the Boston Harbor and a revolution as a result of that. We got ourselves a brand new name and no king, thank you. But the idea here is that the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches hold each other at abeyances so that we don't end up having concretized power and an overthrow, an right. oligarchy, um, a coup, whatever. That's why, and that's why of all the branches, by the way, the founders said that the legislative was the most important. Let me come back and continue to talk about yeah, this. In other words, the Congress should be the most important, the judiciary the least important. Yes. And in between the two, the president and all those agencies simply should, quote, execute the laws exactly. that Congress passes. So this is a lesson in civics, not politics, a lesson in civics. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back after this. So we're talking about the overreach of government. One was the story that just broke yesterday that the National Security Agency has been secretly buying Americans' Internet records. And then they're using them for spying purposes, but they don't have a warrant, which is what the law requires. So we're going to see where that one goes. And then last week, the story broke that uh, this was information obtained by the House's Weaponization Committee. That's led by Chairman Jim Jordan. And apparently the federal government has been, quote, watching. This is like George Orwell. Only Orwell was pale compared to what's happening. Watching Americans who frequent outdoor stores that sell guns or who are religious. Interesting. Uh, And just understand again that the Treasury Department officials suggested that banks review transactions at sporting and recreational stores like Cabela's, Dick's Sporting Goods, Bass Pro Shop in order to, quote, detect customers whose transactions may reflect potential active shooters. That's what I said about the standard being flipped. So you buy a gun, which, by the way, last time I checked, the Second Amendment was still protected in place and has been affirmed by the United States Supreme Court. If you buy it and you have to have a background check, you, do, you go through everything you need to do to purchase it, boom, you're still flagged. That somehow you have the potential of being dangerous. What I find interesting is the inclusion of if you purchase religious texts, which last time I checked, they weren't selling that at Dick's or Cabela's. But anyway, if you're buying a religious text, quote, like a Bible, their words in the documents that were obtained by the House, uh, you likewise also could be someone who has serious uh, potential for becoming a domestic terrorist. And the, the wonderful thing about throwing that word around is that after a while, it's like an inflated balloon. It has no meaning whatsoever. Everybody and their brother apparently is a domestic terrorist unless you walk and chew gum exactly the way the people who occupy these agencies think you should be. 
because we're not domestic terrorists. They're moms and dads. You're not a domestic terrorist if you buy a Bible. You're not a domestic terrorist if you go to a Catholic mass and it's said in Latin. So this overblow of power, Craig, I talked about the checks and balances based on man's sinful nature. Um, My concern here is the players. I I got the fox watching the chicken coop here. Who is going to push back and say, eh, 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 you cannot violate people's... You just talked about the Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search and seizure. How dare you track what I'm buying at well, Dick's Sporting Goods? Yeah. In the 20th century, the ACLU was suing, um, you know, the, the uh, executive branch. Uh, at the beginning of the 21st century, uh, when we had 9-11, and um, there were, you know, attempts to try to get uh, metadata off the Internet to track terrorism and what al-Qaeda might be doing, uh, the reach of those surveillance efforts were so broad that the ACLU brought a number of lawsuits. Um, but today, today, everybody talks about privacy. And by the way, subnote to this, or footnote, um, you know, there may be people out there listening to us right now saying, okay, privacy is important. But, you know, if I live a clean and righteous and lawful life, I don't have anything to fear. <laughs> well, that was back, that was true back when crime was defined as what you do to break criminal law. Today, in fact, you were talking a minute ago about people being branded as domestic terrorists. The The word game that's being played and has for a decade or two is to mix the term domestic terrorist, terrorist meaning someone who plans violent um, anarchy and and not just property damage, but also injury or death to people, violent extremism versus just extremism, meaning, well, they're the kind that could turn into a terrorist and could become violent because they just have those very crazy ideas and they're vulnerable to the influence of. Oh, so let me so pause. now you're blurring the line. Yes. Not only are you blurring the line, but that's inherently discriminatory and biased, is it not? You start with the presupposition that if people go to a sporting goods store or buy a Bible, that somehow they have a higher propensity to be a terrorist than other Americans who are atheistic and would rather, I don't know, not go to a sporting goods store. So uh, I just, that is so biased from the get-go, from the first step. And it it yeah. reveals a viewpoint completely discriminatory and a bias that's inherent, it seems to me. Going back to the 20th century, Washington Post, Christians are, and you'll remember the, <laughs> the quote, the poor, uneducated, and, and easy, easy to, to command. command. Exactly. That was how they referred to conservative Bible-believing Christians who take the word of God seriously and then really try to apply it practically to the issues of the day, the things that you and I talk about, the things that you have on your radio show five days a week. Um, So it does start from some bias uh, presuppositions about people who read and believe the Bible. And more and more, and, you know, this is not a time to be fearful. It's actually a time to be excited because the need for the light the darker it gets, the need for the light to shine mm-hmm. on on the principles of God and the things that are right and true uh, is more important when it's dark than, you know, when it, it's, the sun's ready to rise. And believe me, you and I, and I think a lot of people who listen here realize 
that it's getting uh, close to dusk yeah. right now. Well, we were just talking. If you missed it, go back into our archives. First hour yesterday, Pastor Jack Hibbs talking about living in the days of deception, D-A-Z-E, and this is all part of it. So the committee sent a letter to the powers that be and said this. In other words, the Treasury urged large financial, large financial institutions to comb through the private transactions of their customers for suspicious charges on the basis of protected political and religious expression. Let's just underscore that. Buying a Bible is not illegal. Buying a gun is not illegal. Going into Dick's Sporting Gun and buying yourself another pair of skis for winter is not illegal and should not be tracked by the government. Here's where we pray for those in authority, and we have to pray that this system that's held us together, it seems like we're unraveling a bit, but for almost 250 years, this system of checks and balances precious and stays in place. Janet, pray, do your homework, read the word, Believe it, and then apply it to what you read in the newspaper. The Bible in one hand and your news source in the other and see what the Word of God has to say about the world. Learn to discern. That's exactly what we were talking about yesterday. So download that podcast and listen to it. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Left-hand side, you'll see the words past programs. Pastor Jack Hibbs. He wrote the book, The Days of Confusion, D-A-Z-E of Confusion, And he really references everything we see in Matthew 24. And this deception that we're seeing all around us, it's absolutely a hallmark of the days and the times in which we live, these latter days. And for the record, you've been called for such a time as this. So this stuff doesn't scare me, but it's a wake-up call that, as Craig said, we'd better be immersed in the Word so we can learn how to discern and then press forward in the days ahead. We do this another hour. I hope you can stick around. If not, have a great weekend.